Fight Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. We are back with the February 8th midweek update here on the Owl Chat Podcast. I am joined in studio by my co-host and partner, John Finer, social media guy, Tim, and producer, Nick. Got a full show for you guys today per usual. John, how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing great. And guess what's around the corner? It is Valentine's Day next week. So we have some special poetry next week that our producer, Nick Massaroni, is going to read off. So that'll be a nice little treat there. But because I couldn't wait, I'm going to share some of my poetry. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. All right. It's a little football themed. When protecting the QB, it's do or die. I like Trey Butts. I cannot lie. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Well done, John. Thank Anyways, you. moving on. We're going to start with the flyover and get through some of these sports. Um, so we'll start with lacrosse, our latest sport added to the mix. Um, lacrosse hosted an exhibition against South Florida, a.k.a. Amir Abdurrahim University, um, on February 3rd, and they fell 19-9. to Like I said, it was an exhibition, so it doesn't count as a regular season game. Um, but they will open their regular season on Monday, February 12th on a uh, an odd road game against our NAIA neighbor, Reinhardt, followed by um, Presbyterian on the road on Thursday, February 15th. Um, and then track. Uh, both teams competed at invitationals at Virginia Tech and South Carolina. There would be no winners in Blacksburg where KSU only sent six participants, but South Carolina was a very different story. Um, KSU sent 65 competitors and brought back five event wins. Uh, Callie Terza won the women's weight throw and broke the school record at 19.63 meters. Uh, Molly Spates took home the women's high jump. Justin Campbell won the men's triple jump. Uh, Brian Limo won the men's 3K. And Caleb Hartley took home the men's shot put. Uh, Next up for track is the Music City Challenge at Vanderbilt in Nashville on February 9th. Uh, Cross country, only a little tidbit of news. Um, both teams finished with GPAs over 3.0 and qualified for all academic honors. So uh, the real news for their careers. Um, then moving on to golf, men's golf was out of action, um, but their Puerto Rico trip is quickly approaching. And then women's golf will open their spring season this upcoming week at the Columbia Classic in Melbourne, Florida. Uh, as for tennis, men's tennis had a rough start to the week, uh, getting swept 7-0 by Alabama in Tuscaloosa followed by a postponed match against Alabama State the next day. Um, on Wednesday, the day of this recording, uh, they would fall to Georgia Southern 4-3, to three, literally like 15 minutes ago. Um, and it came down to a final set um, in which Anthony Weingarten lost. Women's tennis fell to 0-2 at the hands of Georgia Southern and Statesboro by a score of 2-5. to five. Um, But they will look to get back on course at Alabama State on February 9th. Um, so we've got a... New sport also entering the mix in softball, and I know producer Nick um, did his extensive research and has a preview for you guys. Got a little bit of a softball preview, something to just butter up the appetite. Um, softball's kicking off in just two days, so take a look at the the season, what you guys should expect. Uh, they're going to start with five various uh, tournaments, all at uh, different sites. There's four non-conference single games. That's basically what's going to lead you into the conference schedule. First game of the season is going to be on the road at Texas State. Uh, they're hosting a tournament round robin style. So KSU will be playing Texas State. 
545 on February 9th. Uh, KSU is also going to be hosting two weekend tournaments after visiting Texas State, and then we'll take trips to UF, or UCF and Boise State. Um, some notable non-conference games that we have coming up this season, we're going to host games against number two, Tennessee, and number six, Georgia. So definitely trying to beef up, beef up that schedule. Um, we're going to play number 22, South Carolina, in the UCF tournament. And some other notables, we will do home and aways with both Georgia State and Georgia Tech. Uh, and that just follows uh, the usual schedule for softball. Um, as for conference, it's our last trip around the A-Sun, as we've been talking about all year. Uh, KSU's projected fifth out of the 12 A-Sun schools in the preseason coaches poll. Uh, the top five is going to be UCA receiving 10 first place votes. FGCU receiving the two other first place votes then UNA, followed by Austin P, and then us, KSU. Um, I think it's a fair ranking for KSU since uh, 2021. Uh, that was the A-Sun runner-up year where we lost to Liberty and went to the tourney and upset uh, Auburn and almost made it to the, uh, the next round. We've kind of uh, sputtered a little bit. We've fallen off. Um, definitely hoping that this competitive non-conference schedule can help prepare us uh, for a successful conclusion to our time in the A-Sun, and hopefully we can go out on top. Um, taking a look at some of the uh, team aspects from this year, Stella Henry, who was the true freshman standout from last season, who received preseason A-Sun All-Conference honors this year. Um, it will be her third award in conference. I'm expecting a, a fun year out of her. Um, so she had two awards last year. She made the freshman all-conference team, and then she made second team all-conference as well. Um, she finished second on the 2023 team with a batting average of 310, scoring 22 runs, 45 hits, and an on-base percentage of 367. Um, and the only person she tailed in those categories was uh, Taylor Cates, who, in my opinion, will be a future KSU Hall of Famer. Um, that discussion's for another time. Um, but you should definitely uh, expect some strong conference numbers out of her. Last year, she led KSU in a lot of categories during conference play, uh, one of those being stolen bases, uh, 16 swipes and 18 attempts. So hopefully those numbers can start trending upwards as well because I don't know uh, where on this team we're going to generate a lot of power from yet. Of course, um, my opinions are ready to be changed. Um, some things that you should be looking for, uh, Melanie Bennett, this is her final season with the Owls. Um, she was a big reason for the team's success in 2021. She had an unbelievable year on the bump, or not really a bump in softball, I guess, in the circle. Um, so uh, I I'm looking forward to seeing her pitch in her final season at KSU. Hopefully it bodes well. Um, Kenley Hillary received ace on all freshman honors last year as a pitcher as well. She will be the number two behind Melanie, um, and I'm expecting more big things out of her. Uh, Stella Henry, who we already just talked about. And then uh, two positions that you should be looking out for are who's going to start at catcher. Uh, we had three departures. We have no returning catchers on this team at all. Uh, Cheyenne Sales, Bella Galloway, Stacy Deputy have all uh, left the team in some form or fashion. Um, and then third base, Taylor Cates has manned that position for the last four and a half, five years. So uh, that one's going to be up for grabs too. So I'll be interested to see who is starting there in two days, one day once we drop the recording. But that's everything I got for softball. I think it's time for John to go over some volleyball stuff. 
Yeah, but I'm surprised, Nick. Um, why didn't we get a a Stella, you know, from Streetcar Named Desire? You know, some Stella screaming. Are we going to get that this year when she gets a homer? What's going on? Uh, that's a question for broadcast. That's not typically something that happens inside the uh, arena or the, the stadium. I'll tell you that much. Well, you know what? We could do it on the Owl Chat podcast. Every time she gets a homer, we will scream Stella on the Owl Chat podcast. So tune in. Um, we have some volleyball news. Uh, they announced their 2024 class, um, including one surprise name that actually might have some, uh, you know, interest, uh, carry some weight around here. Uh, re- uh, recapping the class, we have Ashlyn Anderson, a 6'3 right side hitter from Jacksonville, Florida. Ava Garner, middle blocker from North Cobb Christian. Kiernan Stamey, an outside hitter from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Uh, Kaylee Walls from Louisville, Kentucky. Avalyn Holtz, a defensive specialist from Indiana. And finally, Carolyn Chastang, a transfer from Mississippi College. Uh, she is the sister of Lauren Chastang, who played for KSU from 2017 to 2021. Um, in baseball, uh, the first pitch dinner was last Friday. It's the annual fundraising dinner, third annual since uh, Coach Coe's taken over. They have a guest speaker every year. This year was Ned Yost. He told stories about you know, his time back in the day, um, you know, Dale Earnhardt, who he was friends with and served as his, basically as his water boy during the uh, 94 strike, all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, so uh, his, basically the moral of his story was, you know, learn the ins and outs, even if you think you know everything. And uh, that's how he became such a good coach. He got really pushed by a former teammate of his that kind of taught him you know, what everybody should be doing on every single uh, play. And he wrote it in a book and memorized it and, you know, spent some time in the Braves bullpen under Bobby Cox and, uh, you know, really learned uh, that side of the game from Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz and all of that. So that kind of put up, shaped his career. So that was his story. But anyways, more importantly, there was a catered buffet affair. Uh, We had steak, chicken, mashed potatoes, salad, cookies, and various pudding desserts that were entirely too small, and they ran out of those. They were so delicious. We uh, we heard a few stories about your uh, your eating. So, um, oh yeah, apparently I, you uh, <laughs> you put down quite the plate. Oh, I, I sure did. I you know my theory is I paid two hundred dollars, and it's going to a good cause and fundraising. But you know if I could stretch that dinner all the way through, then next day's lunch. And that's 200 divided by three, baby. That's like $67 a meal instead of 200. So, you know, I'm making a head here, guys. I'm, you know, I put out, put down those three steaks, gained a couple pounds and, uh, you know, we're going from there, but it was a great time. Um, you know, some players were chosen to speak at the event. Uh, Aaron Posey, sophomore catcher, uh, sophomore pitcher, Brayden Osbolt, and transfer from Gardner-Webb, Nate Anderson, who's going to be our center fielder opening day. Um, Kennesaw State Baseball also has announced about five new signings, uh, which were all commits we've known about for months and had previously mentioned on the podcast. If you want to read those names again, go to KSUowls.com or uh, KSUowlHowl.com and then click the baseball button and view all of the uh, 2024 or 2023, I should say. Uh, I'm sorry, 2024 recruits. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar 
The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to OwlsCollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at DogwoodGolfClub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. And some women's basketball updates. Um, we split the weekend series, starting with a loss against Austin P, 50-61. to 61. Uh, Princess Harden at 22-11. and 11. I didn't see it, but I was told she took a shot to the head. Uh, she eventually returned to the game, but did not play on that following Saturday, which I can only assume is a concussion. Uh, but the Owls, without Princess Harden, beat Lipscomb, who is right in the pack. Uh, like they're both teams, I think are now five and four. KSU and Lipscomb. Uh, we won sixty-two to fifty-nine. Trinice Taylor led the Owls with uh, twelve and ten, plus three steals and two key free throws to seal it at the end. Lipscomb missed their first twenty-three point attempts and finished three of thirty-one. Uh, there was even a fan in attendance that was yelling every time they missed a three-point shot. So, like, you know, when they missed one, it was like, oh, for 20, and then missed another. He was like, oh, for 21, and so forth. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, and that fan was me, by the way, guys. So I uh, hope you heard me at the game. Um, so uh, the Lipscomb was held to 26.2% from the field. Um, up next this weekend is a road trip to Bellarmine and EKU. We should definitely win that Bellarmine game, I hope, even though it'll be a road road trip. And EKU has a pretty good player. I think her name was like Antoinetta Walker. She's really good. Uh, so hey, Norman is a pretty good player too. Don't oh. sleep on uh, Don't sleep on my girl Gracie Merkel. Oh, okay. That's the conference. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, Angela Junior. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll have to see how we uh, we handle that. Um, so I really hope Princess Harden is back because uh, she's a lot to handle. Uh, but uh, going back to uh, the Lipscomb game for a second. Um, my God, Lipscomb's performance. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen besides a three-point shooting, like multiple blown layups, hitting the underside of the rim all alone. It was just, it was tough to watch. I'm glad we won. We had a good lead the whole time. Um, they made a furious push at the end, but they, you know, they couldn't get off a shot really with uh, time expiring. But Kai, what are we looking at this weekend with, was it Austin P and uh, who else? Lipscomb. Got Austin P and Lipscomb again, yeah. Um, so Austin P uh, is definitely one of the stranger uh, teams in the conference this year. A lot to get into with them, but a really, really important road trip coming up for us against two teams where um, right below us and right above us in the log jam that is the middle of the ace on standings. Um, but to start with Austin P, who we play on Thursday, uh, they're led by first-year head coach Corey Gibson um, after letting go of Nate James after a 9-22 and season last year. Gibson comes over from Northwestern State after just one season where he led the traditionally pretty terrible Blue Demons to a 22-11 and record and a 13-5 and conference record. Good for second in the Southland Conference. Um, the Govs are led in almost every single offensive category by Northwestern State transfer DeMarcus Sharp who was inactive in their last win against UNF. Uh, weird stat on Sharp. Last season, he attempted just under two threes a game and converted 54, 54% of them. Um, now he attempts less than one per night, but hits just 6.7% of them. Um, I'd have to fact that, check that, but I think he's only hit one all year. Um, so that's been an interesting development um, in his play this year. I know he's he's got a hurt hand. Um, that might have something to do with it. Maybe that's been lingering, but uh, John, you wanted to jump in? 
Yeah, that's not too that's not too sharp if you ask me, guy. Just that's to- not great. No. And I remember being blown away by his uh, percentage last year, but um, there's been no word on his injury status. Austin P has been kind of weird about it. Um, Gibson was asked about it a few days ago and he basically just said, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. Uh, Stop bothering me. So um, that should have a pretty big impact on the game. But, you know, like I said, they got their best one of the year against UNF when he didn't play and the game prior, they only put up 43 points against Jacksonville. So um, who knows, maybe their rotation just flows better without him. Um, but guard Jamonte Black will be expected to pick up the slack again if Sharp doesn't play. Um, he averages 12 points and three rebounds a night um, and had 21 against UNF while playing all 50 minutes. Um, and then one of the cool stories in college basketball is Austin Pease, Hansel Emanuel, who, while only having one arm, has appeared in 24 games this year while averaging 16 minutes in appearance um, and leads the team in blocks. Um, so he's uh, one of their few rotational guys off the bench, and he's actually had um, a pretty solid year. Um, in last week's win over UNF, uh, APU went only seven deep and Daniel Luz only played two minutes off the bench. So really they only went six deep, um, with sort of like an Armani Harris type of effect. Um, three of their guys played all 50 minutes in the game and four played at least 47. Um, Austin P currently sits tied with KSU at four and five in the conference. Um, and to be honest with you, the more I look at it, the less I know what to expect. Um, this is the most important game of the season at this point. And I feel like you could say that about every game, but um, this is a really important tiebreaker for us when it comes to even making the ASUN tournament this year. Um, Yes, we might have to start having those conversations if we drop this one. So um, I'm going to go ahead and predict a win just because I think we're going to have more of a sense of urgency. And I think this is more of a a win now year for KSU than it is Austin P. But John, what are your thoughts? We have to have a sense of urgency. If we drop Austin P, we're probably dropping to Lipscomb. And, um, you know, if we lose both this weekend, you know, we're done. So I, I'd say this is pretty much last weekend. Both games were must wins this this weekend. I mean, I can't say more. You know, it's still must win. And we've lost all of our wiggle room is gone. We have to win at least one of these two games, period. Those were must wins for us, um, considering us like real regular season conference title contenders. These ones are must wins for, I think, the level of uh, investment of the fan base. Obviously, we'll still be around. We'll watch and go to every game. But um, you drop these two uh, and it's it's hard to ask people to stick around and keep watching. Well, we're talking top eight too, Kai. I mean, if you drop. That's what I'm saying. It's like if you lose to Austin P, that conversation comes into play. Um, this year, it's top 10 that make the tournament, uh, I believe, as well, right? And then the bottom four have the plan. Unless Is they that change right, that. Nick? That's what it was last year. That sounds correct. I'll double check it right now, but I believe four teams are in a play-in game. So that would be oh, okay. So with the, exit of, with the exit of Liberty and Jacksonville State last year, um, only two teams won't make uh, the conference tournament. So. Um, it's going to be near impossible for us to drop below Jacksonville because they've been pretty terrible. And with the tiebreaker, we're already three games up on them. So um, it would be hard to fall completely out of it, but we could be looking at a situation where we're in a plan um, and have to play on less than a day of rest. So um, huge, huge road trip, but 10, we got confirmation. Perfect. All right. So then moving on to Lipscomb. Um, while well, the Bisons are still without big man Jacob Agnosevich, um, who is out all season due to injury, and longtime Bison As- Asan Asadula, who graduated last year, 
Um, Lipscam has taken a bit of a hit in production this year. However, there are still plenty of familiar faces on the team who the Owls defeated in the ASUN tournament semifinals last season. Uh, guard Darren Boyd is having a career year, averaging 17 points on 50% shooting, including 41% from three. Um, and then Will Pruitt, who torched us last year, um, is in his fourth year at Lipscomb with similar splits at 50% from the field and just under 40% from three. A Presbyterian transfer, um, Owen McCormack, has found himself picking up most of the slack in the paint as the uh, as this year he is the only true center in the rotation. Um, still only stands at six foot nine, so not a super intimidating presence. And you see a guy who's you know a transfer over from Presbyterian. He's kind of just a a plug in who um, is getting more minutes than expected, but uh, nevertheless definitely something to watch out for. Um, Lipscomb currently sits at five and four in conference, uh, good for a game up on the Owls. So we're looking at a situation where if we somehow sweep the road trip and go two and zero, um, we're having very different conversations about the season. We got tiebreakers over Austin P and Lipscomb, and we're probably back in the, the top four or five. So, um, it all comes down to this. Uh, we gotta, we have to split. Um, if we don't split, it's over. If we sweep, um, I think we may get overly optimistic if anything, um, and if we go 0-2, um, it's over. And it's time to start thinking about next year. So our goal right now should be in the top, finish in the top uh, six, right? Yeah. I would say it, it depends how this road trip goes. I think if we split, then it becomes finish in the top six. I think if we somehow sweep, it becomes finish in the top four, and then we could host a, host a game. But we're in no position to be talking about finishing in the top four yeah. right now. So yeah, we well said. That. Yeah, well said. I have some breaking news here on the Owl Chat podcast. Um, Richard Lovelady, who signed a minor league deal with the Chicago Cubs last week, uh, him and his uh, his wife just had a baby, John Tyler Lovelady, born on February 3rd. I just got he just posted it about 15 minutes ago on Instagram, seven pounds, five ounces. Uh, John Tyler Lovelady. So congratulations. We hit you with some breaking news. So uh, good for Richard. And uh, hopefully he can uh, make the Cubs roster and hit it big this year. Absolutely. Good for Future him. Future KSU arm. Yes. Start yeah. him young, baby. Start him young. Get him in the I just hope he's a lefty. Let's see uh, which hand he picks his nose with. And uh, we'll see if we can make any guesses on that. So um, let's uh, let's let's breed him to be a future owl. Uh, we have some uh, football news, some more football news, uh, just some returning player production update. This past week, ESPN posted some data of all 134 FBS teams and how much production each returns from the past year. Uh, KSU finished number seven of 134 overall, which means they returned the seventh most talent, number 13 offensively and number 22 defensively specifically. I don't put any stock into the offensive numbers because I doubt there's any consideration given to given to the offensive line um, at all. Um, defensively, I'd probably pay more attention to. So that's definitely a good thing that we finished number 22 there. But I still wouldn't take either of these two seriously because, you know, we didn't really have much offensive production to begin with. Yeah. Um, and just because you have a lot of returning production doesn't mean it's good returning production. I remember yeah. back when Kansas was really, really bad before they're the, the decent Kansas we know today, they finished number one, one of those years. And like the previous year they went one and 11. So yeah, um, it's not necessarily a best thing, but at least there's experience. Hopefully there's leadership um, definitely does not factor in the O-line at all because it's going to be a basically completely fresh O-line. Um, and we all know this, so we don't know what to expect, but um, 
I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that we finished that high, but we also just didn't have a ton of offensive production in general. So we didn't bring in a lot of new players that are going to take over those roles. And we didn't have a lot of people leave that are, were super key in those production statistics, I guess. Yeah. That's the only way that, I mean, the one that left was the one that left was Murphy. Um, And you think he would have put a bigger dent in that, but. I I mean, we did a lot of our damage on the ground last year. So I would figure that'd be a lot of the running backs, which all did stay. Do they just go? Do they just go over our roster and see who's removed or something? Because Murphy, no, is Murphy still even listed? I don't remember because he graduated. He might still be on there. If if that's what they did, uh, that would be really pathetic research. Yeah, say, <laughs> that's a, that's a travesty. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> like kind of hilarious. It's also judging based on I might they might be using production. I don't know. So if we threw for like you know, a, a crappy amount of yards last year, then, well, you know what? We threw for 400 yards all season. Well, you know what? We returned 350 of those 400 yards that we threw. Well, who cares? We threw for 400 yards. So, yeah. So I knows? mean, but you look at the, I mean, the running backs, you know, Benefield's coming back, Benyard's coming back, Diggs mm-hmm. is coming back, Clemens is coming back, and then even at wide receiver, none of those guys had great years, but Bohannon's coming back. Um, Wallace is coming back. You know, um, what about so, Gromit? Uh, Carson, Carson Kent's coming back. Connor Finer's coming back. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, that, I guess, you know, when you put it that way. But uh, we also have some coaching updates. Um, updating the coaching roster, as we discussed last week, uh, Chandler Burks and Stuart Cook were officially named co-offensive coordinators, and that was officially announced on Tuesday by Kennesaw State. Uh, we discussed it last week as well. Um, Jaira Wilson, who I mentioned as a defensive assistant, will indeed be coaching safeties as expected. Uh, Liam Klein moves from the defensive line to inside linebackers. Mike Pelton, who was recently uh, hired, will be coaching the D-line. Greg Harris will be coaching the, uh, the outside linebackers. And Ray Smith was hired recently, will coach the corners. So those are some updates and announced uh, recently on Wednesday, the new offensive line coach will be Cameron Norcross. He is not from Norcross. He's just named Cameron Norcross. He's a veteran coach, formerly of UNLV, Vanderbilt, I think NC State. Interestingly enough, this is the second time that Coach Norcross will replace um, uh, Chris Klonakis as an offensive uh, line coach at a program. He replaced Klonakis at UNLV or Nevada or something, you know, 15 years ago. So that I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, interesting on- yeah, on the recruiting trail. Um, actually, Kai, do you have any uh, takes on the new coaches? Uh, not really. I mean, everything that we needed to say was said last week. You know, we we were pretty sure that this news was coming. So uh, if you guys want to hear our thoughts and feelings, go back and listen to last midweek, and um, I think that'll fill you in. Absolutely. Uh, we have some recruiting updates. Uh, Jake Jones, that's Jake with a Y, uh, a defensive back from Trinity Christian in Jacksonville. Wait, wait, wait. How was that spelled? J-A-Y-K-E. Gotcha. Okay. I think it's, it's I saw it short for Jacob with a Y as well. So just, just <laughs> fascinating. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. That makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, he decommitted from KSU, what, like a week after committing? And he did something I've never seen before. He posted a decommitted graphic with Kennesaw State's logo on it. Like, you know, like, hey, I'm proud to decommit from Kennesaw State University. I thought it was pretty funny. I I posted that on uh, Twitter. I think uh, people got some amusement out of that one, Kai. Uh, let's just hope that he's 
got like a graphics guy that he's buddies with who he's just trying to give extra work. Um, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Absolutely. I wonder if I didn't see if he signed with anybody today, but I saw he, he got did. Jacksonville State. <laughs> oh, Ooh. Jacksonville State. Ooh, that will be fun to heckle. Um, and we have Respect some his decision. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. 110% committed. If he put respect his decision, then I have no choice whatsoever than to respect his decision. So those are the rules. I didn't make them up. Um, it's kind of like when people put in an email, like this email is intended solely for the recipient and some BS in their signature. Like you can't share this with anyone. And I'm like, no, I'll do what I want. Um, so the owl signs, Kai. I just want to jump in real quick. Um, did you see what Rich Rodriguez said today about wanting to make JSU, KSU um, an every year thing and making sure that's a protected rivalry? I just saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it sounds like, you know, just geographically, we're, I mean, we're probably going to play them every year and alternate home and homes, right? I hope so. Um, yeah, I think there was a little bit of um, hesitancy uh, with the fan bases because we don't know, you know, if Conference USA was going to keep that intact and respect that. But you know, they seem to be so all good news. And then hearing that from Rich Rod is pretty cool. Um, glad to be able to hate them in. Yeah, I'll be I'll be pretty pissed off if they don't keep that intact because there's no other reason. What are you going to have us travel to Delaware or New Mexico State instead? I mean, come on. We just hate the blue hens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a blue hen to be honest with you. Can't recall either. So. That, but maybe they're there. Maybe if you want to see one, go to Delaware. They're roaming around somewhere on the highway. I don't know. But um, we have some uh, signing news. Uh, we have seven players inked with the Owls on uh, Wednesday. We have first is 6'2", 280-pound offensive lineman Jacob Norcross of Bishop Gorman in Nevada. His dad, Cameron, who I previously mentioned, will be the Owls offensive line coach. So if you're wondering how we got somebody in Nevada, possibly our first player ever from that state, uh, well, I guess we gambled. <laughs> Coach Chandler Burks tweeted, high football intelligence and comes from a winning pedigree. Well, well, you know, you got to talk good about your coworkers, right? Um, also on the O-line is Benton Dunn of Charles Henderson High School in Troy, Alabama. Also a bit undersized at 6'2", 285, but would be cool for him to be good uh, Good for us since he's right in Troy's neighborhood, their neck of the woods. Uh, Coach Chandler Burks tweeted, versatile athlete playing offensive line. Check his hooping highlights. Finally, on the offensive line is Jarvis Adams, a 6'1", 270 offensive lineman from Rome High School who recently decommitted from Conference USA rival Western Kentucky. Adams also listed offers from Middle Tennessee State, Georgia Southern, Southern Illinois, and more. Coach Brian Bohannon said in a little interview on KSUOwls.com with Nolan Ryan Alexander that I saw on uh, on Twitter about how, you know, we needed some guys who could snap the ball. And I think that was kind of, you know, the goal with uh, with these guys bringing them in. They're a little bit <laughs> undersized, I think, you know, 270, 280, 285. But, um, you know, hopefully they can put on some weight before the year and make an immediate impact. Uh, Kai, you got anything on these guys? I appreciate the bluntness from coach because we probably lost a game or two because we couldn't snap the football. So, um, I, you know, it's it's nothing flashy, but if that gets ironed out, um, that's a real difference. So don't overlook that one. Yeah. 
And uh, we have some other signees. Terrence Curtis, a 60170 DB from uh, Parkview High School, signed with the Owls, had some big time offers early in uh, 2022, like Ole Miss, but more recently has been offered by the likes of Georgia Southern, UAB, Akron, and more. Um, other signees that we already touched on in past episodes are QB Lucas Shearhorn of Klein Oak High School. Uh, I heard, you know, Coach Bohannon talk about him uh, today as a guy that kind of reached out to Chandler, Chandler, you know, via email or whatnot. Chandler followed up and, um, you know, he fit everything that the program was looking for in a quarterback. You know, toughness ran the same type of stuff that they're going to be running, that sort of thing. So he's definitely a name to watch. And who knows with the competition possibly wide open, maybe he'll be a dark horse to compete. Um, tight end Isaiah Williams of Pickens uh, high school signed and outside linebacker uh, Jaden Kimball of White Knowles High School in Lexington, South Carolina. We mentioned them previously. Um, and Chandler Burks tweeted on tight end Isaiah Williams plays with passion and edge that fits our mold. And Coach Burks tweeted on uh, QB Lucas Shearhorn dynamic with the ball in his hands with elite competitiveness, high football IQ. Um, Kai, any thoughts on these uh, commits? In fact, Shearhorn. Shearhorn had an offer from Virginia Lynchburg. Um, so I'm glad he uh, is going to end up somewhere a little bit better. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, it, it's good to have depth. Um, just looking at his offers and uh, just his high school measurables, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be, you know, some somebody that they're, you know, pushing forward as the starter in a couple of years. But, um, you know, it seems like the coaches like what they saw. So we'll, we're glad Thanks. to have him. It could happen. I mean, if anything, um, you know, it could be a, one of those diamond in the rough type guys. I remember Chandler Burks didn't have too many, if any, you know, even FCS offers when he was coming out and he's the best quarterback we've ever had. So, you know, you, you really, you never know. Um, so he's definitely one that I'm going to be interested in watching, um, especially since we haven't brought in a transfer. So it's going to be, you know, a fun competition at the very least. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for Burks, he had, a, a bit of an advantage, you know, coming into a triple option scheme um, yeah. where he can kind of just, you know, improve his uh, uh, his speed and his size and, you know, do what he could. For Shearhorn, it's going to be a little tougher, but uh, I wish the best for him. If he comes in and he's Peyton Manning, then fantastic. I don't think they're expecting him to be Peyton Manning. I think they'll be just fine if he's uh, Chandler Burks all over again, a little faster though. But uh, also committed were a handful of preferred walk-ons. Uh, Donye Broughton, a 6'3", 285 defensive lineman from Brunswick High School in Brunswick, Georgia. Corey Gardhigh, a 6'5", 215 wide receiver slash tight end from Rome High School. Uh, Jonathan, I don't know how to say it. It's basically the, the cheese Gouda with the P on top. So I'll say uh, Joshua Paguda, a 6'5", 211 uh, linebacker from South Paulding, which is where Chandler Burks went. Uh, Jasek Smith, a 60170 athlete from Stevens County High School in Tacoa, Georgia. Uh, Dallas Marshall, a 61185 DB from Spalding High School in Griffin. And that's one that interests me. He had some, looks like he had some real offers. So, you know, who knows, you know, what the story is there. And uh, Ben Blanton, a long snapper from South Forsyth High School in Cumming, Georgia. Uh, so we got our second uh, long snapper right there in Ben Blanton. Producer Nick has chimed in here. It might be Piuta. Um, so, you know, I'm still up in the air on that. My saying has always been, and we did this last year with some of the players that we couldn't pronounce, just make, you know, with uh, Jericho or whatnot, Jericho Washington, make a play on the field. The announcers will say your name and then we'll learn it that way. So make a play and we'll figure it out. 
Um, but yeah, that's all that I have, Kai. Um, we have Topic Tuesday. Anything to add before we get into that? Not at all. Let's get into this one. All right, cool. So every Topic Tuesday, we name we pose two questions to the Kennesaw State fan base on Twitter. Um, one of them is usually more sports related and one of them is more tied to Kennesaw. But this week we kind of just did, you know, two topics since it's kind of a heavy week in sports. So we'll we'll do one at a time. The first question, part one, start two, sit one. So pick two starters and you can sit one. Jamel King, Quincy Adamakoya, and Jusan Holt. These are all three of our uh, wings on the basketball team. Uh, before we kind of break it down, we'll read what all the listeners had to say and uh, see if we agree in what we would do. Uh, Kyle E says, start Jamel and Holt. Quincy has been up and down, but I believe he can provide an offensive jolt off the bench. Um, Anonymous says, start Jamel and Jason, sit Q. Hootie Who Briscoe says, start King and Holt. The only two that play solid defense need to be out there. Anonymous says, start King for sure. Then start Quincy and bench Holt. King has been the most consistent of the three in most facets. Holt just seems like he's trying to do a little too much right now, which is leading to mistakes with rotating on defense and bad shot selection. So I say let Quincy have that second spot, but honestly, I wouldn't question the coaches at all for any combination of the three. And finally, T-Mac says, start Holt and King. They are more talented and are both capable defenders. All right, Ty, go for it. I think there's a lot of ways you could go with this. And I think there are a couple different ones that are, you know, I, I don't have a problem with. Um, I think Stolding, or starting Holton King is fine. I think the listeners are right for the most part that those are your two best defenders. And that's the biggest issue on this team out of those three. Um, but I don't know, man. I would like to see Quincy get some work at the two um, and maybe move Cottle to the bench. John, I know you talked about that a little bit off the air. Um, I don't mind having Holton King out there, but honestly, like if you were to keep Quincy at the three and just play him less minutes than the rest of the starters, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. Um, and then you just throw Jamel off the bench and he's fresher. Um, and he can even play 25 to 30 minutes off the bench. So, um, you know, I think there's a couple different ways to go with this, but, uh, I, I'm going to agree with most of the listeners and say, start Holton King and bring Quincy off the bench, um, and then just adjust accordingly. Yeah. And I'm sticking to my plan that I mentioned on um, on Monday's uh, post game show. Start R.J. Johnson at the uh, at the two and send Cottle to the bench and make him be the spark plug off the bench. But if I had to pick and and stick to the question, uh, I'm going with Jamel King. You know, no doubt he's been the most consistent inside and out, more or less, at least you know on average. And I I think I just have to go with Jason Holt. Um, you know, I couldn't fault like one of the. Uh, listener said I couldn't fault it if it was Holt or Adam McCoya maybe it depends on how those guys are feeling that sort of thing um but yeah I'm I'm good either way there uh producer with, Nick with our I was going to say with our situation at the four it's hard to put anybody out there that's not Holt like I feel like out of those three he's the most solid um has to play significant minutes to give us a chance on defense yeah I was gonna say defensively speaking he is he's your he's your three four he has to be on the court if you're putting out your best defensive lineup with the team the way it is right now. Um, I said it on when we did the stats segment. I, I would want to see Quincy, honestly, more at the two, what Kai was just talking about. Like, that that was my ideal lineup was Burden, Quincy, Holt, Juice, and then either of the two centers. Probably DeMond up there with TB, honestly. But Ranji giving you 
a better chance defensively, at least more recently. Um, but the for me, it would be uh, we need to see defensive improvement. We we can put up the points. That's not the issue. We need to start getting stops. So it's uh, it's juice and king. I'm I'm down with that. Um, you know, like you said, I could see Ranji or Demond starting, but I'm kind of one of those guys. We lost four in a row. I'm all for shaking it up. Um, you know, whether it's you know a nice swift kick in the ass to motivate. You know, as I mentioned on the post game show with you know bench Coddle, bench Demond. Um, just even if it's just for one game, even if it's just for you know the first couple minutes, whatever it is, you know, change some stuff up just to you know just to change stuff. You don't if you're winning, you obviously don't do that, but if you're losing. It can also change, um, you know, with RJ playing 15 minutes a night or 20 minutes a night instead of 10, you know, um, you don't yeah. have to start with immediately benching Coddle, but um, hopefully that there's some adjustment made there because the volume Coddle is, you know, scoring at is just not where it needs to be. Um, and that could be a fit issue. It could be a, he's just shooting too much issue because we love Coddle as a player and we know what he's capable of. Like we're not coming down on him. He's just being used incorrectly. So um, all for shaking it up too. It's no fault of his own that the man in front of him is Terrell Burden, and he they play the same position. Right, Terrell's they're, going to see his minutes until he graduates. They're they're both good enough to start and run the offense exactly. Um, and you're not gonna you're not gonna put Terrell on the bench in favor of Coddle. And, That's just not- and, and it can both create shots. It's just the quality of the shots that Coddle's creating are not what Terrell is creating. Um, and Terrell's a much much better passer at this point in his career. And Cottle's settling for a lot of, uh, you know, un, you know, threes that are partially contested. I'd like to see him try to draw some fouls and take it hard. Right. And they're on the floor a lot together. So one of them's always going to have to be playing off the ball. Um, and like you said, Cottle is a really solid inside scorer. Um, and he's kind of gone away from that over the last week or two. And I don't know why. I want to see him attack the rim more because he's a fantastic finisher. And he knows he is. So I um, want to see more of that on this road trip. We'll say we're starting to deviate a little bit from topic Tuesday. Just want to get us back on track. I know we, we, we love this little loophole. We've done it a few times now in the last few episodes, but we should probably switch or You're get right. back. We could talk about the rotation for days, but we'll move on to the second question. Sounds good. So topic Tuesday, part two. Uh, what do you think of the OC hires? Uh, we'll start off with a very special uh, Mr. Anonymous. Anonymous says, I really like keeping these uh, hires in-house. Bo knows these guys are stalwarts of KSU football, and he said, let's give them a shot, which I don't blame him at all. Being that they've run the triple option for a long time, I'm worried we will resort back to that football. I hope I'm wrong. I hope maybe they took some lessons from Klonakis. This is FBS football. Time to show up and act like an FBS program. Um, Hootie Who Briscoe says, offensive coordinator moves are fine. It was really the only option. Any decent coordinator would want more money than we have to offer. Um, another anonymous says, I'm indifferent on the hires. It's hard to tell how they will do since they are both basically brand new to this type of role. Bring in a new OC would probably have just been an awkward fit at this point, given that he probably could not bring in uh, many, if any, of his guys and probably would have been running an offense that wasn't really his. So I think if we did the best we could, so I think we did the best we could. But I also think this will put us in a sticky situation next offseason if it doesn't work. T-Mac says, like the OC t- I like the OC tandem. They know what Bo wants, and we don't have to start from ground zero with an outside hire. And finally, Anonymous, again, 
says. I mean, I don't hate it. I'm extremely curious what we will run. I like that we have two coaches that, as far as I can see, won't be going anywhere as long as Bo is at KSU. I don't like the mystery, but I like the youth. So a lot of people, um, that's the end of Topic Tuesday answers, but a lot of people have chosen to go anonymous because, uh, you know, I, I think uh, these the, both of these topics are a little bit more uh, spicy than our usual topics. You know, they don't want to, uh, you know, piss off Bolt, King, or anyone like that, and they don't want to, you know, uh, go on record on the hires. You know, if maybe they know Chandler or maybe they, you know, don't want to, you know, mentions maybe they know the guys from being at KSU for 10 years, the coordinators already. So Kai, um, what, what do you think of the hires? Well, and I know you did it last that. week, but what do you think now that it's official and has some time to think on it? Right. Well, first I want to say, well, no, uh, team Mac will never go anonymous. That man stands on his word. <laughs> we know that for sure. But, um, you guys, as in the listeners made some great points. Um, I think there are pros and cons of the hires, uh, obviously the pros are, you know, they're Bohannon guys, they're Kennesaw state guys. They want to be here and they really want to succeed. Um, the cons are the uncertainties with the offense. Like there's not a whole lot, you know, to build on and we're still kind of stuck in this in-between phase, which I don't like at all. Um, and now we're questioning it even more if like, we're going to revert back to more of an option style offense or continue trending in the pro direction. And if we're trending in the pro style direction, like, I mean this in the best way, but what does Burks know? You know what I mean? Like he's been around Bohannon and the option offense for a long time. I mean, he was there under Klanakis to see that transition, but that transition was never complete. So I just hope we don't have another year where we're stuck in this in-between phase of running like an option-y gun offense. You know what I mean? I would rather either die with the triple option this year or die with a more pro-style look this year. Um, rather than be somewhere in between and try and squeeze out like an extra win or two. You know, I want to I wanna have the process going. If we go 0-12 this year, so be it, as long as we progress and we have more of an identity because we're kind of lost right now. Um, another pro is, though, you know, these guys are getting their first shot, so um, that's going to be important to them. And I think, you know, they're going to want to create an identity, um, but we'll see. We can still run like some triple option principles with more standard, you know, man or zone blocking. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, and Coach Harris tweeted something today that was interesting when Isaiah Williams committed, like a very tight end friendly offense or, you know, something like that. So, uh, right. I mean, you'd hope so, because that's what we thought last year. And that was not the case last year. You know, Carson yeah. Kent had like a nice game and then seemed like we didn't hear his name at all the rest of the year, um, even though he was out there. So um, I hope so. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I think, you know, as time goes on we'll hear you know more leaks like you know maybe we'll try to do something you know similar to you know air force or the other service academies um that kind of thing uh, but yeah it's absolutely going to be you know a lot more intrigue this offseason going in last year you know we kind of knew murphy was the guy which is great but you know it it really kind of took the fun out of it you know in a way you know what i mean like we knew murphy was you know solid but, you know, we didn't really have that, like, okay, do we have somebody on our roster that's going to be that dude, that next star? We might, we might not. And like you guys said, you know, Bo is in a situation now where you have to, you know, shit or get off the pot. And, um, you know, just hoping for the best. That's, that's one analogy. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
we get a real QB competition. It's maybe not with uh, the best of options, but, you know, I'm hoping one of them steps up and exceeds expectations. Um, yeah. That's really all we need. Um, yep. I mean, there are, it's, it's wide open job. There are four or five guys, um, you know, some of them who didn't get their name mentioned in last year um, who are going to be in the running. Could be, could be Bryson, could be McCarty, could be Shearhorn, who knows? Yeah, it could be Nelson. Um, I don't think it's going to be Braden Bohannon, um, but, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's all I have. Uh, you guys have anything else? That's all I got. All right. Well, we will see you back on uh, Monday with the post-game show for uh, men's basketball. And we also are recording next week a special, uh, I think we teased this a while back, a special uh, signing day edition where Coach Nick Parada, uh, who joined us during football season, will go over all the signees. He's he's studying their uh, tape online and will kind of tell us what he thinks. So we'll do a special uh, signing day show. I think that'll be a long one. So it's for the diehards. So might be one of those, you know, hour, hour and a half, two hour type deals. So stick around. Absolutely. Stay tuned. You guys, a lot of stuff coming up. Also, I'll be in Clarksville for the Austin P game and I'm sure I'll be lonely. So if any of you sickos make that trip out there with me, come say hi. Ladies, Kai is lonely. Hit him up. (laughs) That's, uh, That's all we got for this week. Everybody have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howell. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!